another explanation for what really happened in the years leading up to 1440, and which, she hopes, will be one link in the chain that finally restores Gilles de Rise to his proper place in history. Clocking in at over 230 pages, it also attempts to catalog the persistent myths that follow Rye even in death. I'm still finding things that are cited as fact in all the biographies that turn out to be based on dust and moonlight, Juby says. An example is the murder of three children by Rye's valet Henriet, which appears in the biographies of Boussard and Bataille. Juby looked through the trial records and even checked the Latin transcript. Nothing. Boussard seems to have made that bit up, she says. Bataille, writing letter, swallowed Boussard's story whole. Indeed, most of Rye's biographers never even read the original transcripts, relying instead on a more detailed record written by Paul Lacroix, the bibliophile Jacob, in the mid-19th century. This version was then absorbed into J.K. Huysman's novel, Labas, keyword here being novel, and Labas, in turn, was reinterpreted as nonfiction by the biographers that followed, resulting in what Juby calls a posthumous public relations disaster. Even the books that professed Rye's guilt offered unconvincing reasons. It seems impossibly quaint in the 21st century to read a text that fully accepts the validity of an Inquisition trial with the use of torture, Juby says. Rye's two judges, Jean de Malestroit and Jean Sang, Duke of Brittany, were both engaged in business deals with him and would inherit his property in the event of a conviction. Moreover, the physical evidence against him was non-existent. What did they find, unearthed, discover during their exploration? Proutot wrote in Guel de Loup. Nothing. Not a clue. Not a tooth, not a trace, not a hair. Not one witness who can say, I have seen. Not a weeping mother who claims, there is a dress stained with the blood of my dead daughter. Not a father who brings a child's heart ripped from its chest and wrapped in a spotted cloth. For a proposed murderer of 150 children who supposedly killed these children in his own home, this seems incredibly unlikely. None of this is new information. I'm not the first or the last to question Gilles' guilt, Juby says, naming attempts by King Charles VII in 1443 a pamphleteer during the French Revolution, essayist Salomon Reynac in the 1920s, and biographers Fernand Fleuret and Jean-Pierre Bayard. The trial records alone show identical testimonies, witness accounts that were said to exist but weren't included, and passages amended after the trial's end. It's my impression that Gilles' actual guilt was held much in doubt by historians today, says John D. Hosler, an associate professor of history at Morgan State University who specializes in the European Middle Ages and the history of warfare. All in all, the affair contains a number of pretty standard medieval tropes and accusations, from the kidnapping and torture of children to the heresy accusations. Personally, it all looks highly suspicious to me. Shocking things like Rye's alleged crimes do happen, Hostler clarifies. Nobody can prove his innocence centuries later, not even Juby. But a critical look at all the existing information makes a pretty good case for it. We no longer believe the evidence in any of the witch trials, Juby says. We no longer believe the Knights Templar were some kind of satanic cult. While her interest in Rye's trial may have been born of an adolescent sense of injustice, it has been sustained by an interest in understanding people's biases, fact-checking across languages and centuries, and wanting to share her discoveries with the world. I always had a feeling I was supposed to do something, but I didn't know what, she tells me. She still needs to complete an index and plans to release her book later this year. I am proud to be Gilles de Rye's representative on Earth.